to a sound booth and helped out and uh, kind of saved Chris's life up there. <laughs> oh, man. I tell you, I, this, we, will, we will learn this program. Uh, but in the meantime, you can be in prayer for our media team because uh, they are stressing for it. I'm so thankful for Chris and his patience uh, to come and help us out and uh, to learn it. I mean, he knows it, but we're learning new details this, this week about the program. And so I really do appreciate Chris and all his help and Fred, too. Fred is so faithful. You know, he's been so faithful. It's, a, it's funny. He was telling me a story this morning leading into our next, our next announcement tonight. You do not want to miss tonight. I am so excited about tonight. We've had worship nights, and what we're doing is we're, we're rebranding it. And this is actually Pastor Jonathan, Pastor Macy's ideal. And we're rebranding it Brush Arbor Nights. And it, it's paying a little, little homage to our, our, our heritage here at Brighton about the Brush Arbor Nights. And if you've been around the area, you know that don't know anything about Brighton. The first thing that when people say, when I say, where am I from? You know, I'm Brighton. And they're like, oh. You know, we used to know somebody, the Brush Harbor Nights. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, that was us, you know. And it was a big deal. And, and Fred was telling me the story. You got unbelievable. You have to have him tell you. But what well, caught my first attention, he said, when I was a teenager, I was like, wow. <laughs> he said, when I was a teenager, I remember going to Brush Harbor Night. And you'll never believe what happened. And so... That is our heritage, you know, and so it's exciting that Pastor Jonathan and Macy are incorporating that into our worship nights, and so I encourage you to come tonight. Come and just let the Lord just bless you. Come tonight with the sole purpose of gaining, or getting closer to God than you ever have before, right? This is, this is your time just to snuggle up with God and let God speak to you and let God do miracles, because we're believing for miracles through these nights. We're believing for God to move, God to move on hearts, God to move on lives, God to perform miracles, and so that, that we're excited about tonight. So invite somebody out. You know, Sunday nights, not a lot of people are doing church, and so it's kind of easy to get somebody to come with you. So invite somebody out tonight. It'll be a great time for you to be here tonight, and so I'm excited about that. I appreciate that. As Pastor Mark said, our small groups are starting up. Now, his, there's not a sign-up she, sign sheet for his because uh, we need two or three pages, I think, for his small group. But uh, we're, his is going to be here at the church. And uh, like he said, it's going to be kind of a uh, maybe abbreviated old-fashioned type service. And so we're excited about that. We're excited about our small groups and, and potential of that and uh, what God's going to do through that. Because here's our heart. Let me just real briefly, and I wasn't planning to do this, but here's our heart and here's our passion for Brighton, and especially for this year. We feel like this year is so important. But in our, and we mentioned our business meeting, but our mission statement is about connecting people to God and connecting people to each other. We feel like that's so important for this year that we do the best we can as a church to connect people to God. That's why I'm excited about our Brush Harbor Nights, because that's, that's the purpose. Purpose is you come and you get connected to God in a way that you never have been before. In every service, that's our prayer, that is when you walk through the door, that you connect with God in a powerful way. We pray that as you come, you come expecting to worship God. You come prepared and you worship God. Why? Because you guys are helping usher in the presence of God. So if we have a visitor, guess what? 
They're not seeing just a program. They're experiencing the power and the presence of God. Why? Because you guys help usher that in in your, in your worship to God. And so that's why we depend on you guys. That's why you are helping us connect people to God through your worship. That's why it's so important that you come in ready and you don't just sit back, well, I don't really like this song or that song really doesn't give me the goosebumps. No, you get in and you sing. Why? Because we need you to usher in the presence of God so when people walk through, they're like, this is what I've been looking for. I want something real. I want something authentic. And that's what people are looking for. So we, we're connecting people to God. And then we want to connect people to each other. Because that's why we feel is very important that if we get connected, guess what? That, that, that gives you kind of ownership. That means you, you belong. And that's what so many people are looking for. A place where they can belong and they can live life with people. And so that's what is important to us that we feel like God is calling us to focus on this year is connecting people to God and connecting people to each other. Our brush over nights, connecting people to God. Our small groups, connecting people to each other. And our small groups are going to look different this year. They're going to be small groups. And so we're living in the capacity of every group. And so we may have to add more groups down the road because the, the, the interest might be there, might not. We don't know. But we want to be small groups. Why? Because we want four or five couples that will connect together, that will develop friendships, that when they have a problem, guess who they're going to call? They're going to call their buddy in a small group and say, hey, I'm really battling right now with something. Can you help me? Can you pray with me? Can you walk with me through this? That's what we want to see happen here at Brighton. So this will give you a little nutshell of what's happening, what's going on. That's, that's what's on our heart this morning, and that's why we're so excited about these things coming up, and we, we're excited that you participate and help us. Amen? All right. Hey, so today is, is going to be a fun day. We're in Ruth chapter 4. Now, some of you have made it. You've been to everyone, and thank you. That's awesome. If you haven't caught every, every Ruth uh, sermon, they're on YouTube. Go to youtube.com, type in Brighton Assembly, and you'll see them there. Ruth Part 1, Ruth Part 2, our own very own Pastor Macy delivered to us, very powerful about faithfulness. And so Ruth Chapter 3 is on there, and then this morning we're Ruth Chapter 4. What's amazing about this book, I love this book because we know the story, don't you? When I say the book of Ruth, you're like, oh yeah, I know that story. Boaz, he's a man of God, that's the kind of husband you want. And me and we're all supposed to be like Boaz, you know, we, we know the story, right? But what I love about walking through the book is we see that's more than that. It applies to our life where we're at right now. Because the opening chapter, you see what? You see Elimelech and Naomi, this husband and wife team, they make some dumb choices, don't they? Now, I know you guys sitting out there, you never made a dumb choice. But we get to see this husband and wife make a dumb choice. And we get to see the results of that dumb choice. We see they end up in a place they never thought they'd be, wondering what's going on, how do we get back? Crazy things happen because that one choice gets what? They, they're forced to make other dumb choices. It's like a snowball effect. And before you know it, Naomi's left alone, no husband, no sons. All she's got is a couple of daughter-in-laws. We see she's like, okay, well, I'm going to go back home. I'm going to go back to the house of bread, to the, the place of praise, and start over. And we see something, and you will see it today, to where when you make bonehead choices after bonehead choices, you're going to find your place, yourself in a place where you never thought you'd be. 
Some of you are facing situations that you never thought you'd have to face. Some of you are in situations right now that you see no hope. There's no way, there's not one option that is a good option for you. You cannot even create, create or dream of a way out that would be good for you. That's where it gets exciting, right? Because that's when finally you give up and say, okay, God. And then you see God do something like, yeah, I never even imagined that. I never thought that was an option. And he creates it in the option. And that's what we get to see today. And so kind of going back, looking back at, at chapter 3, we remember that Ruth goes to Boaz's field. You know, it's funny how the Bible puts it. She's hope so happens they end up in his field, right? You know better than that. Come on. And so she hope, so happens to f- find herself in Boaz's field. She don't know what she's, who he is. She gets home. Naomi gets excited. Oh, that's, your, that's, a, that's a relative. That's a redeemer. You know, he's a worthy man. He's a, he's a man among men. You know, he, he, he is the man, right? He's a man of character. He's a godly man. He's a man of worship. He's a man who waits on the Lord. Come on, somebody. He's a man that waits on the Lord. He's a man that doesn't take matters in his own hands. He waits on the Lord. We see that. He waits on God's timing, which as you, as you know, sometimes is the most frustrating thing in the world because we are generation want it now. You know, give it to me now. We, we're, we're complaining about two-day shipping, well, some of us are excited that Amazon's moving in town, that maybe we can get in one day. You're like, are you kidding me? Come on. We want it now, right? And so we don't like to wait. And so here is a man who waits on the Lord. Boaz, a worthy man. And remember, he was willing to give up Ruth. Remember what the chapter ended last week? It ended up with, he's like, yeah, you know, basically ended up with Ruth proposing to, to Boaz, all right? Which, you know, this is crazy right there. But Ruth proposes to Boaz. Boaz like, yeah, you know, I, I will do these things. But it left us with a cliffhanger, didn't it? He said, but, but there's one other that's closer a redeemer than I am. And if he will accept his responsibilities, then so be it. But if he won't, then I will, right? And so that's kind of ends where it ends up. And so remember, he was willing to give up on roof. It wasn't what the Lord had for him. Come on, somebody. There's a sermon on that just alone. He's willing to give it up if it wasn't what the Lord had for him. How many of us can say that this morning? That you've latched onto something. There's something in your life that you want more than what God wants for you, but you want it more, so guess what? You're going to hold on to it. That's a dangerous place to be, and I'm not going to make that an old sermon, but he was willing to walk away if it wasn't God's will. How many of us can say that this morning? He was a man of integrity. He was a worthy person. He trusted God with his life. He trusted God with his plans. So Ruth is saying, you're my redeemer. Basically, she's asking Boaz to marry her. And Boaz's response, we're going to look back uh, to Ruth chapter 3, verses 12 to 13. And I don't think I put, well, maybe I did there. Yeah, hey, look at that, Chris. Thank you. And now it is true that I am your redeemer. Yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight and in the morning. If he will redeem you, good. Let him do it. But if he's not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. So basically in that verse, he's saying, yes. Yes, I will marry you. Yes, I will provide for you. But someone else is closer. 
If that's God's will, I'm going to accept that. If that's God's will, I will accept that. I think maybe we all should say that together this morning. If that's God's will, I will accept that. That's hard. Boaz is not going to sidestep God on this. He's not going to say, you know what, I want this, I'm going to take this. He's, he's not going to take things in his own hands. He's not going to say, you know what, let's, let's do this. This is why Boaz is a man of integrity right here. He only wants what God wants for him. This is why Boaz is so blessed. You know, it's not rocket science, guys. Seriously. If we live the kind of life that says, God, only want what you provide, only want what you will for my life, you know, I may want this, or I want to go in this direction, but if I always follow your lead and not my own, if I trust you, if I won't get ahead of you, not your will but my own, that's how we have a blessed life. And saying that, it's very simple to say, isn't it? God, I only want what you want for my life. Ooh, look at that. <laughs> right? That looks good. That looks appealing. That looks like a great job, God. Yeah, I know you, you place, I really feel like you placed me here, but man, look at that. With that salary, I could get a new house. I could get a new truck. Come on. And so sometimes we, we take matters in our hands. And so it is easy to say, God, only what, what you provide. Until you feel like he's not provided enough. And then we take matters in our own hands and get that second and third job that he really didn't have planned for us. And then we distance ourselves from our family. Our relationship with our wife suffers. Our relationship with our kids suffer. And we end up in a place like, well, how did I get here? Guess what? So then Boaz says, if, he's not, if this other redeemer is not willing to redeem you, I will. And that brings us to Ruth chapter 4. And then Boaz, we see in chapter 4, Boaz gets right on it. The very next day, Boaz gets the marriage ball rolling, doesn't he? Ruth chapter 4, verse 1. Now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there. And we see that. And so now we're talking about the gate of the city. I want you to get this picture this morning. The gate of the city. This was, this was like the marketplace. This was like where everything happened. Everybody was there. Like, you go hang out at this place. The gate of the city. It's where everything's happening. It's a gathering place. It's also where, like, court would be held. And so you have all your elders there. They hang out there. You know, it's kind of like your local cafe or McDonald's in the morning. You always have that group of older guys hanging out, right, drinking coffee. Or if you're Paul, you drink half water and half coffee. <laughs> but that's, that's, what it, that's what it's like. That's what they're talking about. The Gideon City is like that. And so here you have all your elders hanging out, right? And so then if you have a problem, if you have something to sort out, you would take it there and present it to the elders, right? And so Boaz goes there. He wants to make sure. And this, is, this shows you the integrity of Boaz. He's a worthy man, right? He wants to make sure this is handled properly. He wants everyone in on it. He's not hiding any of it. He's not trying to backdoor something. He's not trying to work this out. Oh, I, I told him, but nobody was there, and so it's okay. Let's go ahead. You know, he's not doing any of that. He's going to do it according to the law. And in the next part of uh, verse 1, it says, And behold, the Redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came by. It's funny, isn't it? it it's like the verse puts it there like, it just happened a man was walking by. 
Like, come on, you know it did this happen, right? You know this is God working things out. It was written in a way, it's such a way that makes us think this wasn't normal for this guy to walk by, right? This wasn't normal, this wasn't every day. Every day he did not walk by there. It just so happened. He walked by. We know God was working things out. So this opens the door for Boaz. And so continuing in verse 1 there, <coughs> so Boaz said, Turn aside, friend, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. Have you ever thought to yourself as we're reading this, isn't it interesting this man is never mentioned by name? You ever thought about that? Like, he's playing a pretty important role in this situation. Like a lot is hinging on this man right now. And so the Bible never mentions him by name. Hey, friend, sit down here. I think... It's because this man totally negated his responsibilities. The Bible does not mention him by name. Because think about it, as a redeemer, by scripture, he was legally supposed to redeem Ruth. Right? In the very least, he was obligated to check on them. The very least, he had to stop by and check how things are going. Do you need anything? Do you need some food? Let me go pay off the debts on your land so you can have your land. That's what his role was in this situation. He was supposed to step up. He was supposed to do something. He never did this. I think this is why he, be, he, be, he, he remains nameless in this story. We never know his name. He did nothing, right? In this situation, he did nothing. And so you look at this situation, well, maybe he wasn't in a place to do something, or, you know, maybe financially he couldn't do something, or maybe uh, in life, you know, life was just busy right then, and he really didn't have the time to do anything. Maybe he couldn't do anything right there. And so sometimes we wouldn't fault him. Like, oh, so he didn't do anything. You can't fault him for not doing anything. Well, I think you can. Because I firmly believe that we will be held accountable to the things that we do. Do you get that? I really think that we are going to be held, up account, held accountable for the things we do. But also, I think we're going to be held accountable for the things we don't do at the same time. When the th times you don't step up. The times you feel the Holy Spirit nudging you, hey, stop and, and, and find out what's wrong with this person, but you just keep on going. Well, the times you feel the Holy Spirit nudging you, hey, give so-and-so a call and check on them, and you choose to ignore it. Well, I got this going on. I got, or the times that God points a pointed time in your life to intercede on somebody's behalf, and you choose to ignore that. I think we're going to be held accountable for those actions. These widows come back, and it's all a buzz in town. Oh, do you know Naomi's home? She brought a Moabite woman with her. I mean, come on, she's the talk of the town. He knows they're back, but he chooses to ignore it. He does nothing to this. So I think scripture is offering us a warning here. This man was left nameless because of the things that he did not do. So let's continue to verse 2. And he took ten men of the elder of the city and said, sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it and say, buy it in the presence of those sitting here in the presence of the elders of my people. 
If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me that I may know, for there is one beside you to redeem it. And I come after you. And so the man said, I will redeem it. You see, Boaz is doing the right thing. A worthy man, right? He, he says, okay. You want to redeem it? And it's funny, he says, you know, you go ahead. Right? But Boaz, was Boaz, Boaz wants to marry Ruth. Boaz wants to help. Boaz is there trying to help. This man, he has no interest in any of this. But if he isn't going to marry her, he wants to make sure they're going to be taken care of. So that's why he's offering this up, right? He's a godly person. Look at it. Even if he doesn't, look at this. Even if he doesn't benefit from this, even if he doesn't make him any money, he's going to do what's right. He's going to make sure these two widows are taken care of. And look what the Redeemer says. Okay, I'll do it. Here's what I think is happening. This Redeemer, first in line Redeemer, he sees a good deal, right? Here's a cheap price, a real estate. Sure, I'll take it. All I got to do is pay off the loans on it, and I get to have this property. I get to farm it. I can do whatever I want. Okay, yeah, I'll take it, right? It's kind of a nonchalantly, nonchalantly like, flippant little response. Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, you know that land? Yeah, I, I get a really good deal on it. Yeah, yeah, let's, let's go ahead. I'll take it. It's funny because it's a Boaz know this, knows this guy is only in it for the good deal, right? He just wants to own some more land. And so that's why I think it's funny what Boaz does next in verse 5. Then Boaz said, the day you buy the field, okay, as soon as you purchase the field from the hand of the widow Naomi, you also get Ruth, the Moabite woman, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetrate the name of the dead in his inheritance. Oh, yeah, I forget to tell you, you get the land, sure. You also get Naomi, and you also get Ruth. So this guy's weighing it out, right? And now it's serious. Because this guy's weighing out, okay, on one hand I get a good deal, right? On the other hand, I get a new wife and angry mother-in-law. Man, I don't know how, you know, you didn't tell me about this part, Boaz. I just want the land, right? But I don't want this part, right? Now this great deal is mm, not so much a great deal. It's funny, it's almost as if he can't come back quick enough. Look at verse 6. Then the Redeemer said, I, I, you know, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of the redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Look at this verse. Keep that up there, Chris. Look at this verse. How many times does he refer to himself? Look at it. The Redeemer said, I. I cannot redeem it for what? myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption for yourself, for I cannot redeem it. What's he saying in that verse? It's all about me. It's all about him, right? What benefits him? Will it be good for him? Will he make money from it? It's all about him. No wonder why he never fulfilled his redeemer responsibilities of checking in on Naomi and Ruth. Again, that's why I think his name is never mentioned. It's all about him, his wants, his needs. When you live a life that's all about you, you will miss out on what everything God has for you every time, I promise you. 
When it's all about you, guess what? Your world is very tiny. It's a lonely world to be in. That's this Redeemer we're talking about. It's all about Him, what benefits Him. He's missing out on the opportunity of a lifetime. He's missing out on the opportunity to be part of something that will continue His legacy for thousands of years. But in that moment, it's all about Him, what's convenient for Him, what benefits Him. Let me tell you this morning, that's not a place of blessing. He's living for the world, building his wealth, acquiring more in his pursuit of things. He missed eternal opportunity that was before him. You see what he's saying? I don't want to mess up my own inheritance. I don't want this coming out of my pocket, no. You know, it's tempting to get, get caught up in things, and things are not always bad. But when they cause us to only focus on us, in our lives, they take a dangerous place in our lives, don't they? Amen. They replace God. The things, my inheritance. Look at this. Six times. It's all about him. I, 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 can't, I can't. It's going to mess up my inheritance. It's going to mess up my life. It's going to mess up my flow. I just don't have time for it right now. I don't have a place for it now. I can't spend money on it right here. I, I can't. I, I, I. All of a sudden, all his things take the place of God in his life. So when's the last time you thought of anyone besides yourself? Boaz. Boaz is a good man. He's a wealthy man. So it's safe to assume he's a busy man, isn't it? But look what Boaz does. He takes time. He takes time to help people. Why? Because he cares for people. Why? Because he's a worthy man. Why? Because he wants God's will in his life. So moving on to verse 7. We read 7 to 12. Now this was a custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To conform a tra- confirm a transaction, the one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other. And this was the manner of attesting in Israel. So when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, he drew off his sandal. Can I just pause real quickly right there? What this is, and it doesn't say it in, in the, this verse, but just so you know, give it context right here. That's a shameful act. That's a shameful act. And so because when he takes off his sandal, hands it to the other guy, everyone in town now knows what? He shrieked on his responsibility. He is not a worthy man. Now guess what reputation he has? He's not a good man. He's not a worthy man. His family now has to carry that reputation of he's not a worthy man. He was willing to do all that just so he wouldn't take responsibility. Amazing, isn't it? It's all about him. When it's all about you, you'll do crazy things, won't you? You don't care how it's going to affect your family. You don't care how it's going to affect your lineage. You don't care anything about that. It's all about you. In this moment, it's all about him. So he's willing to suffer the, 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 the negative about it. So moving on. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, You're my witnesses this day that I have brought from the hand that I have bought from the hand of Naomi, all that belongs to Elimelech, and all that belongs to Kilion and Malon. Also Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malon. I have bought to be my wife, to perpetrate the name of the dead in his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers 
and from the gate of his native place. You are my witnesses this day. Then all the people who were at the gate and the others said, we are witnesses. Now look what the witnesses do. This is pretty cool. The witnesses all together around, what do they do? They're going to say a prayer. May the Lord make the woman who is coming in your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Ephrathah and be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, because the offspring of the Lord will give you by, will give you by this young woman. So they say a prayer over him. Isn't that pretty cool? In Deuteronomy, when a redeemer would not redeem, they take out their sandal, and we, we talked about that a little bit. Look at the end of it, when they pray over him. They pray a prayer blessing over him. There's power in blessing someone. A prayer of faith over someone. And that's what they're doing in that moment. They're believing that God can work miracles in their life. I mean, just look at their faith. They're believing God will perform a comeback in the life of Ruth. Are you kidding me? They're believing. Get this. I want you to see the picture. They're believing that God will perform a comeback in the life of Ruth. Who is Ruth? A Moabite woman. Who is Ruth? A pagan woman. Who is Ruth? An unclean woman. And they're praying a prayer blessing over her. Over her. Are you kidding me? They're believing that God is bigger than the situation that Naomi and Ruth are in in that moment. They're believing the great things out of this family when everyone else has written them off. Unbelievable, this story. It just continues to get, get better in, in verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Come on. This is amazing stuff here. This was a prayer the elders prayed. Rachel and Leah, they're like considered the first ladies of Israel, right? They were the mother of the 12 tribes. So these elders are praying, the Lord make Boaz and Ruth's offspring that significance. Now, you know, I get excited to show you guys cool things in the Bible. And this is one of the cool things in the Bible. Because look at this. If you don't know, if you look back, you can look at the at Scripture and, and calculate. Ruth was barren for 10 years. Okay? She was married, right? Had a husband. They had no kids. wonder why. Because she was barren for 10 years. For 10 years. You know, it looks like this Redeemer would have factored that in. Well, I don't want no more kids. Well, guess what? Odds are pretty good you're not going to have no kids if she'd been barren for 10 years. You know, he should have took a chance, right? But he didn't. He passed. So Ruth was barren for 10 years. Now look at 18 through 22. It gives us the genealogy. I want you to see this. Now these are the generations of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Ram. Ram fathered Abinadad. Abinadad fathered Naoshon. Naoshon fathered Solomon. Solomon fathered Boaz. Boaz fathered Obed. Obed fathered Jesse. Jesse fathered David. Look at that one more time. I want you to see this. This is so cool, right? Okay, look. So Perez fathered Hezron. Okay, Hezron's number two. Hezron fathered Ram. Ram's three. Ram fathered Abinadad. Abinadad's four. Abinadad fathered Naoshon. That's five. 
Naoshon fathered Salmon at six. Salmon fathered Boaz at seven. Boaz fathered Obed, that's eight. Obed fathered Jesse, that's nine. Come on. Jesse fathered David, that's ten. Are you kidding me? How cool is that? Ruth was barren for ten years. Guess what Ruth blessed her with? When a lady had no hope, her husband died. She's in a foreign land now. She's serving a God she doesn't know nothing about. God blessed her. She'd been barren ten years. God says, you know what? I'm going to put ten generations down for you. Here you go. Are you kidding me? That's how God moves in your life. When you don't see a way out, God sees ten steps ahead of you. Ruth saw no hope. She's been barren for 10 years. Yeah, she's getting married. Yeah, this is going to be a big blessing. Just have somebody provide for her. Gives her security. Gives Naomi security. She probably never even dreamed of having a child. She'd given up on that dream. <laughs> but this is our God. You think, you know what? I'm going to return to you what you've lost. You talk about the comeback story of all time. A family that leaves the house of bread, that leaves the place of God's blessing. All the men die. Naomi's left with two daughter-in-laws. They take Ruth back with her. Ruth was childless. Naomi is angry and bitter. Then Boaz enters the picture, and a few months later, Naomi's holding a grandson whose heir will be king, whose heir will be the king of kings and the lord of lords. Nobody can rid this. Are you kidding me? Oh, come on. You should be getting excited this morning. This is an amazing story of how God used ordinary people. God used ordinary people. I'm about as ordinary as they, got, I, they have, but I guess what? I have hope. Why? Because God uses ordinary people to do amazing things. It's unbelievable. No one would ever have predicted this. No one could have written a story like this. An outcast, a Moabite, is part of the lineage of a king. Are you, if you're writing this story, you would not put them two in the story. Glad none of you are writing this story. And you think for one moment that your situation is too difficult for God. Come on. Give me a break. This story is for you. This story of Naomi who lost so much and was in a dark place. She was bitter and angry. She could not see a way out. There was no hope. Some of you may be in that situation this morning. Maybe you find yourself in a financial struggle. You see there's no way out. There's no hope. There's no coming back from this. There's no repairing that relationship. There's no healing those wounds. Look at verse 14. Then the woman said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without a redeemer. <laughs> I need to stop there for a second. If you're feeling like I talked about this earlier, you're feeling lost, you're feeling hopeless, you're feeling like you don't have a way out, guess what? The Lord has not left you without a Redeemer this morning. <laughs> That's good stuff. I don't care if you're not awake or not. That's good stuff. Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a Redeemer. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. 
Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. I'm not sure if you're grabbing hold of this this morning. Because it's better than you think. Let me just show you. These women of the town, they're praying that this son of the pagan woman, this son of an unclean woman, this son who's treated like a dog, they're praying that this son of this woman who does not belong there, they're praying that his name be known throughout all Israel. Are you kidding? No one in Israel would ever believe this if you would have told them that a son of a Moabite woman is going to be known throughout Israel. It's unheard of. They would never, ever, ever consider that. And again, I believe there's some of you this morning who have looked at your situation and thought, there's no way out. There's not a way that can work out. There's no hope. God doesn't care about me anymore. This book is for you. This is a declaration of the power of God and the fact that he can do anything in any situation this morning. No matter if you read him or off or not, he's more creative than you are. Hallelujah. Amen. He has the power to bring healing when all there is is brokenness. He can bring victory into your situation. Not only victory, but victory that leads to a legacy that you will tell everyone about, look what the Lord has done in my life. You know, it's called the book of Ruth. But it really should probably be called the book of Naomi, shouldn't it? Because it's a story of a woman and her husband who made some terrible choices. Took some wrong turns. And those terrible choices left her with nothing but anger and bitterness towards God. And her story is about how when she took stock of her life, when she saw there's no way out, when she saw there's no hope, she decided to go back home. She decided to go back to the place of bread. She decided to go back to the place of praise to repair her relationship with God. And now we know the story. Because of that one decision in her life, everything in her life turned around, didn't it? Was it easy? No. Are you kidding me? To go back home after what she did, after the way she left, after going, leaving, opportunity to find something, she comes back with no husband, she comes back with a Moabite girl attached to her. Are you kidding me? That was not easy. But she goes home. She goes home to repair her relationship. What you need to know, what you need to see this morning is through the book of Ruth is that God loves you. God sees you. God wants a relationship with you. Sometimes you're like, oh, I'm not worthy of God's time. God's got too much on his plate. God's got the world. God's got the nations. God's got the, God's got the United States. He's got his handful of the United States, doesn't he? We'll look at all that and we're like, well, God's not even, you know, I'm not even on his radar. <laughs> but he took time to write a story for you this morning. You think God doesn't see you, and why did he put an ordinary lady who made some stupid choices in his book? Because yeah. <laughs> God wanted you to know how much he loves you, how much he cares for you. Oh, he wants a relationship with you. He wants to be God in your life. His ways are higher than your ways. 
You can't see a way. That's okay. Because this thinking is higher than you're thinking. Some of you need to come back to the house of bread. Like Naomi, you're trying to do things on your own. You're trying to work things out on your own. On your own, it's not. It's not happening. You need to come back. You need to commit to building a relationship with the Lord. I think there's some in here, you'll sit through this sermon this morning, like, I, I, I know the Lord, Pastor. I got a relationship with the Lord. I, I don't need to come back home. I don't need the house of bread. I, I, I have all that. But I want to challenge you this morning. I, I think there's a, there may be a part of your life that you've taken control of. Maybe a relationship maybe a job, maybe finances, some part of your life, I, I firmly believe that there's some of you that kind of take the reins back. Say, well, I, I know what to do. I can fix this. I can handle this. I can make this right. Yeah, 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 I, I, I'm, I'm, I go to church. I love God. I got a relationship with God. But, but this one thing I, I, I can handle. I can work out. I can make right. I am the man of the house. I, I know how to do this. I can fix this relationship. I can heal these wounds. And so you've taken it back on your own. And you can't see that you're doing more damage than you're doing good. So I know the Lord is saying to you this morning, would you just give it? Would you just give it back to him? Let go of those things you're holding so tight to. You're trying to control. You're trying to influence. What was Naomi trying to do? She was trying to force God's hand. She was trying to influence God's will. Some of you need to come back. You need to give it to God. You need to leave it with Him this morning. Would you stand? Hallelujah. (laughs) Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah. I know we got to go, but I want to open these altars. I think there's some of you, you're hanging on to stuff you need to let go. Would you come? Would you bring it to the altar? Would you send it to the altar? Would you tell God, God, I'm giving this back? <laughs> I'm, trying, I'm tired of trying to do things on my own. I'm trying to make this, I'm t- tired of trying to make this work. God, it's you that has to do it. It's your will, Lord Jesus, God. You, I'm coming back to you. I'm in a relationship with you, Lord God. I'm tired of trying things on my own. I'm trying to handle my finance. I'm trying to handle my, my relationships with my own, Lord God. I need you this morning, Lord. Would you come back home this morning? Would you come to the altar and give it to him this morning? Whatever you're trying to do on your own, would you stop? Would you stop and let the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? (laughs) Would you let Him be God in your life? 
Would you trust him this morning, whatever you're facing with? Would you come this morning? Would you come?
Come home, come home, you who are weary, come home, earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling, oh sinner, Come home. No, for the wonderful love he has promised. Promise for you and for me. Though we have sinned, he has mercy and pardon. Pardon for you and for me. Come home, come home. You who are weary, come home. Earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling, oh sinner, come home. Jesus, be Jesus in me. No longer me, but thee. Resurrect you guys as you go to class.